Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out, right now. My best mates are down in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. It's Thanksgiving in Las Vegas, but we're not talking about turkeys. Instead, the topic is dogs. The National Dog Show have become a Thanksgiving Day tradition, and joining us is the official NBC Dog Show analyst, David Fry. David will give us an inside look at the event and discuss how the dogs are graded. Later in the show, the original Robin from Batman, Burt Ward, joins us to discuss his life's passion, improving and lengthening the life of dogs. All that and the vintage Vegas crime blotter featuring Lucky Luciano's love of dogs. Finally, we'll take a different look at your Thanksgiving dinner with America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go Let's face it, it's become your Thanksgiving Day tradition, much like the turkey and the uh, Thanksgiving Day Macy's Parade. You gotta watch the National Dog Show. It's on NBC every year, and it's a must-see. And we got the dog's best friend. He's been called the guy who invented dogs, <laughs> David Fry. David, so great to have you here. Is this kind of your Super Bowl of the year? Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, well, yes, it is. I've been involved in doing dog shows on TV for 30 years. NBC has taken this dog show with the Kennel Club of Philadelphia, made it into the National Dog Show for airing on Thanksgiving Day right after the Macy's Parade. And we have, last year, we had about 25 million people watch this dog show. It's unbelievable. Well, people just love it, I think, because we love dogs, number one. And there's something about it, the way it's presented on NBC, the way you guys do it, it's, it's enough information that even if you're not into that whole world of dog shows and so forth, you can really enjoy it. Well, it's we edited into a two-hour show for for entertainment, of course, and and uh, we can't show you every single dog. Dog shows take six, seven, eight hours to, to to stage, so we can't get everybody in there. But we get a lot of them in there, and a lot of the different breeds and varieties. There's 178 entered at this year's show, and so we get to show you probably half of them. Well, we're going to show you all of them in some fashion, but we devote some serious time to the dogs that are in the finals, and uh, that's always a great fun. We try and vary that every year. So, yeah, we have fun. We kind of look at it as an educational process for people to learn about the different breeds. You know, hey, what's the deal on that poodle haircut? So things exactly. like that, we have fun with that. And the broadcast team, I love you guys. I mean, John O'Hurley is just so great, and you guys look like you're having fun there, which which makes it all the more enjoyable to watch. Well, thank God, because we've been together 19 years now. It's uh, it's it's amazing. I've got a lot of relationships in my world that have not lasted that long. And, <laughs> um, but John's fun, and, and we'll be sitting there, and, and he's learned a lot about the dogs. But, you know, he's a professional. He's an entertainer. He's a professional. Uh, he was involved in some little serial, uh, some little comedy show uh, <laughs> called Seinfeld before he got to me, and I made him famous through the dog show. But, so we'll be sitting there every once in a while, and he'll say something, and, and, 
and I'll say, that wasn't John O'Hurley, that was Peterman. I said, where's Jerry? Where's, where's Kramer? Where's George? Where are they? Where are they? I feel like I'm on a show. But, um, yeah, we do have a good time about it because it's entertaining. Who doesn't look at a dog and smile? You know, that's yeah. really what it's all about. Well, that's really true. Now, it's hosted by the Kennel Club of uh, Philadelphia. It goes back, to, as I understand it, to the 1800s. Is that right? They uh, had their first show back in the 1870s and, and had shows sporadically, but started doing a show every year in, in the 30s, in the 1930s. So they've been around a long time and uh, got some great history, of course, back in, uh, back in Philadelphia. And uh, so it, it's a fun show because they're serious about their show and we're serious about our dogs. But at the same time, uh, we know it's entertainment and, and we're all having a good time. So there's a lot of dog breeds out there, over 200, and you got seven different groups. So can you kind of just kind of run us through those different groups and how they differentiate? Sure. Well, let's talk about how the dog show works. You know, we have, it's like an advancing bracket in sports. You know, think March Madness. The, the first level of competition, these, we have, we usually have an entry of 2,000 dogs. They're divided into as many as 208 different breeds and varieties. They compete first. All the dogs compete first at the breed level. And those breeds come to us, those 208 breeds and varieties come to us in seven different groups. So first of all, we're going to have a competition of 208 different, different breeds. So the breed winner then advances into its group. The Irish setter is chosen to be best of breed, advances into the sporting group where it competes against other breed winners like the English setter or the English cocker or the cocker spaniel uh, um, and other sporting dogs. And then, uh, so we have seven groups. So those 208 winners advance into seven different groups. Uh, the sporting group, the hound group, the working group, the terrier group, the toy group, the non-sporting group, and, and the herding group. So now, those guys are competing against other breeds, different breeds from the same group. And we pick a winner of each group. So we have seven group winners. They advance to best in show, where a best in show judge picks one of them to be best in show. And that's the ultimate winner. We've come down from 2,000 dogs to one at the very end. And it's um, wow. a thing of beauty. Well, yeah, but how does like a Chihuahua compete with, <laughs> with a German Shepherd? I, 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 it's a matter of, I guess, a certain criteria that goes across the breeds, right? So I'm just wondering how you compare the two. Well, each breed has a written description of the ideal specimen of that breed. It's called a standard, and it usually is relating form to function, what a dog was bred to do. Originally, it should be built to do that job. And, and, and in, like in the hound group, we have the Irish wolfhound, the, the biggest breed of all, uh, competing against the dachshund. Well, you can't compare an Irish wolfhound to a dachshund. You can compare the Irish wolfhound to the ideal Irish wolfhound, the perfect Irish wolfhound in your mind. And, and then you compare the dachshund to the perfect dachshund and you see which one of them is, is a better representative of their breed. And that's how you're going to determine the placement at that point in time. And, and uh, it can vary. I mean, the dachshund can win some days and the Irish wolfhound can win other days. So uh, the judge has to use what's in that standard, has to be able to imagine them doing the job they were bred to do and picks the winner accordingly. Now, David, I have to ask you an embarrassing question, but when I when they heard you were going to be on the show, they said, you got to ask it. So I said, okay. There's always the picture, and, we, and it's usually, it seems like it's an older lady, and they check the undercarriage. What exactly are they checking there? Well, you know, the original purpose of dog shows was to identify superior breeding stock. So, so to choose the, the dogs to make the next generation of dogs. And so uh, the, dogs, the dogs have to be 
whole, as we say. So <laughs> a male dog can't be neutered. It has to have both of it has to have all the equipment back there, and it has to be in, in normal shape and condition. So that's what they're doing back there. They don't spend a lot of time back there, but. <laughs> but but they're just making sure everything's in place, and that's part of the deal. Now, you know the dogs. People see them, and they're just such beautiful dogs. And another question people ask is, are, do these dogs have a chance to have fun? You know, like, like the other dogs wagging their tail and running around? Because so much is expected of them when they're going through these trials. Well, they're having fun because they're there with the people that they love, and they're doing things for the people that they love. And, and, and you know, I always try to tell people that these are real dogs, and we're real people in this great family sport. Uh, our dogs do the same thing at home during the week that your dogs do. I mean, they steal food off the counters. They shed on our dark clothes. They <laughs> probably even take a drink out of the toilet every once in a while. But they, we just dress them up a little bit, so to speak, on the weekends and take them to dog shows. And they go to the dog shows, and they have fun because they're there with their people. They're there showing off for everybody. And they are having a good time. If they're not having a good time, it's not going to be fun for you, the handler, either. So you're either going to find a different dog to bring or, uh, or find another activity. So that's what it's all about. Real dogs, real people. Back with more from NBC's David Fry, the voice of the National Dog Show, which can be seen on NBC Thanksgiving Day at noon in all time zones. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps Online. For the best in Vegas, it's VegasNeverSleeps.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing call right now 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 that's 800-267-1806 boy man i had a rough night's sleep boy i got a letter from the irs yesterday and i I just couldn't sleep man i'm dying here somebody help me irs problems affect more than just your finances if you're ready to take back control of your life and you owe more than ten thousand dollars you need to call the tax doctor their expert staff can immediately protect you from the irs and state collectors and get you the best possible tax settlement guaranteed the irs has recently released new programs geared in helping struggling taxpayers where you may qualify to settle your tax debt and wipe out up to 85% or more of what you currently owe. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor right now. See if you qualify to pay less. Call 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983. Again, 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983.
You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to David Fry, the expert analyst for NBC's The National Dog Show, which he has co-hosted since its inception in 2002. You must like the people that do that do these shows. They have to be a special breed. I mean, they got to be animal lovers and perfectionists, I would imagine. This is a sport like any other. There's winners and losers. Yeah, it's very competitive. Uh, I will say that. Uh, that there are very talented people presenting these dogs, and the thing is that you may see them in the dog show ring, and the judge may see them in the dog show ring for two minutes or three minutes. But it's a lifetime of dedication by these people in terms of training and conditioning and grooming uh, uh, to get the dog ready to be in competition. And, and uh, we have some very talented people who, are, who have to be able to know everything there is to know about each breed so that they know what the strong points of their dog may be so that they can make sure the dog, the judge notices those things. But the best handlers really are invisible anyway. We, we, you know, they just kind of have to stay out of the way of the dog and not distract from the presentation. So, but they're hardworking people, the professional handlers, the owner handler really is the heart and soul of our sport. Somebody who owns and handles uh, their, their own dog. So now we have a lot of fun on many different levels. It's a silly question, but is the name important? I mean, there's no rovers or spots out there. <laughs> no, but we get a lot of dogs that are named after, like, song titles. You know, uh, uh, what did I see one? I can't, I can't drive 55. Um, <laughs> that's great, Sammy. I got, um, that's right. I had a dog named uh, Champion Stormhills Who's Zoom and Who. That's an Aretha Franklin song. We were going to make her call name Aretha. You know, in 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 uh, honor of Aretha Franklin and that great song. So you see a lot of songs like that. There are also sometimes where there's a name and you don't know what it is, and they say it's an inside story, and I can't tell you. <laughs> so so it's fun. But you know, the registered name with the AKC is limited. I think now to thirty different uh, letters and characters. And uh, then, but you're not going to call a dog, hey hey Storm Hills, who's zooming? Who come on over here? It's going to be hey Zoomy, come on over. Aretha, come on over. So um, so we have that that flexibility. The breeds are really interesting, too. I mean, we've seen different breeds all of a sudden become accepted by the AKC. I know you've got three new ones. I want to just run through them. I find this fascinating. The Barbet, B-A-R-B-E, the French dog. And the word actually, Barbet actually comes from the French word for beard. But it's a dog, It's a French water dog, sporting dog uh, that that uh, is loaded with black curly hair. And even uh, the parent club says the dog looks like a Muppet. And so it's one of our newly eligible breeds this year. The other is the Dogo Argentino, which is a, a substantial hunting dog that was bred to, to hunt uh, wild boar. So mm. you can imagine that it is a substantial, serious dog. And then the third dog that's eligible uh, this year is the Belgian Lacanois, which is a, one of four Belgian breeds that are herding dogs but used a lot in police work and, and security work in in uh, Belgium and other places closely related to the Malinois, the Belgian Tribune and the Sheepdog. So um, those three dogs, we call them new breeds, but they're breeds that have been around in other parts of the world for a long time. It's just that now, finally, in this country for the AKC to make them eligible to compete in dog shows, they have to be enough of them. They have to have a geographic distribution. They can't all live on a farm in Tumwater. And and, uh, and they need a parent club to watch over them and take care of them. Have we seen hybrids that all of a sudden have become AKC breeds? Does that happen very often? There's a number of breeds that got their their start that way. But basically, you know, you have to be breeding a, a purebred dog to a purebred dog. But 
But there's a, the Chesky Terrier, for example, is, was recently recognized maybe 10 years ago. But it's, it was a product of Scotty's being bred the Celium Terriers. And, and eventually, it's, it's like the question always comes up with Golden Doodles. They say, when are you going to recognize Golden Doodles? I say, well, we have to, the dogs have got to be at the point where they're reproducing true. Where what you can't just breed a golden to a poodle because you're going to get products that are always look that always look different. I've never met a golden doodle that didn't have the greatest temperament and personality, which is understandable with those two breeds. But they all look different, and and we have no way of judging them. We talked about the Britain standard that describes them. You know, how tall is a mixed breed like that supposed to be? Well, you can't say that because they're all different sizes. They all have different kinds of coat. They all have you know, different bodily, body uh, shape and things. So eventually you got to be breeding golden doodles to golden doodles to get golden doodle puppies and hope that they all look alike so that you know the, the best thing about purebred dogs that we talk about for dog shows is their predictability. I know this little four-pound ball of fluff, if it's a Pomeranian, it's going to grow up to look much different than the four-pound ball of fluff that's an Akita. Even though they might right. look somewhat similar when they're puppies, uh, you need to know because if you're buying a puppy and, and, and they tell you it's going to grow up to be 20 pounds and it grows up to be 70, um, that might be too much for you to handle. And, and the predictability is important in finding the right dog for your family and for your lifestyle and, and uh, being able to, to be ready for that. Well, that's a fascinating part of this, David. People have to realize when they watch the dog show that, yeah, those are great dogs and they'd be fun to pet and all that, but this is a sport. And there, it really it has different set of rules. So just because a dog is particularly nice or seems smart doesn't necessarily mean they're a great show dog. Well, it's also a matter of personal preference. I mean, these dogs are judged by three different individuals during the course of the day. If they go all the way to best in show, they've got to impress the breed judge. So they become best of breed. They've got to impress the group judge to win the group, and they have to impress the best in show judge to go best in show. And we all have different preferences. We may interpret those standards a little differently. I, my original breed was Afghan hounds that I got involved with showing. And we have our, our breed's a large breed, so there can be a lot of variation and some subtle variations in, in these dogs. But we used to say, uh, this person's a headhunter. They like beautiful heads. This person's a movement judge. They like a dog that moves well, and they might forgive a head that's not quite what we all want it to be. So uh, so there's a lot of room for individual interpretation like that. We call it an artist. you got to be equal parts artist and engineer. You have to have a, a, a beautiful picture, good balance, all the breed traits in the right place. And an engineer means that you, you want to make sure all the angles are right and the dog is the right size exactly and things like that. So there's always room. A different judge may judge the same group of dogs and put up different winners the next day. More with the voice of the National Dog Show, David Fry, in a moment. The Dog Show is broadcast on NBC Thanksgiving Day at noon in all time zones. And speaking of dogs, everybody seems to love them, even underworld figures. It's time once again for the Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter with our own Mr. Big. And today, as the subject is dogs... Well, let me remind everybody here, as much as people like to think that gangsters are mean people, they don't love animals, they don't love kids, nothing could be further from the truth. A good example of this would be my good friend, Lucky Luxiano, the man there who created the commission. Later in life, he's loved dogs. You can't get him in a photograph without one of his dogs with him. He loved a smaller breed of dogs because living in apartments and smaller houses at the time, in Italy especially, he can have a big dog 
because they had small places, but he loved dogs so much, he took them everywhere. To give you the sales meetings, he has a, quote, pharmaceutical representative on. You always see Lucky with a small dog. I think it's nice, seals pictures of a man in his elderly years with a small animal that he loves so much, like his dogs. I think it's a great thing. Next week, we'll have more from Mr. Big. And just a reminder, don't forget to follow Sports Rock and Tours, which now follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji, nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hi, I'm Lisa Gay, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and I'm chatting with David Fry, who has enjoyed success as a breeder, handler, and owner of Afghan Hounds and Brittany's. He's also spent over 30 years placing therapy dogs at places such as the Ronald McDonald House and Memorial Sloan Kittering Cancer Center. You know, if people want to get into this, so it's, first of all, they want to get into the world of show dogs and so forth, any suggestions for them? Because it, it's a real commitment. It's not just, well, I'll, I'll go get a good dog from a good breeder and go to a show. It's a lot more. Go to a dog show. Go to a dog show. See the dogs. Talk to the breeders. Um, the Kennel Club of Philadelphia that puts on the National Dog Show, that, that show is normally benched where the dogs have to be in a certain area when they're not being shown. Um, get there, you can see all the beagles lined up in one place on a bench when they're not being shown. And, uh, and you can talk to the breeders and the owners. You can find out things about the breed. You can see if maybe it fits your family. But that's, um, that's part of what we do with dog shows is try to educate the, the, the general public about, uh, about the breeds and helping them find the right dog for them and their family. Well, the big one, of course, is in Thanksgiving. That's kind of the Super Bowl of this, the, the dog, the National Dog Show. Uh, there's a couple of others you cover, though, right, on uh, a couple of the big networks that draw a lot as well. Well, I did the Westminster Dog Show on USA Network for 27 years. I started doing that in 1990 and then stepped over to, do, to add uh, the National Dog Show uh, on NBC. NBC owned the USA Network. Uh, so there was a natural connection there. But when Westminster's contract was up um, with with the USA Network and they moved to Fox, they wanted me to come with. NBC wanted me to stay with them, and uh, and I chose to stay with NBC. It's, it's been a great thing in my life to be involved with it, the NBC guys. Um, so anyway, th- yeah, and I've done a few other shows. I've gotten involved with. But the main thing that I've gotten involved with is the therapy dog work. And the, this, I have a great platform because of all the people that watch our dog shows. I have a great platform to talk about therapy dog work and encourage people to get involved and do things with their dog that, that are good for other people. And it gives you an activity with your dog, the dog that you love, that you can get out and, and volunteer in, in any kind of place. There's a lot of places you can ex- extend care. You can go to hospitals. You can be involved with kids. Depending on your dog, your dog has to have the right temperament for it too. So, um, but I think the the natural thing with dogs is to be wagging that tail and be happy. Absolutely. Let's tell people how they can get involved with Angel on a Leash. 
You can go to the website, angelonleash.com, and, and we uh, had a 501c3 in New York City, and when I moved back to here to the West Coast in Seattle and in Oregon, that uh, I turned that over to a, a gentleman named Steve Kramer who's carrying on and doing great for us, but it's angelonleash, all one word, dot com, and you can find out about that. If you want to find out about uh, the the, uh, the Kennel Club of Philadelphia, um, we do uh, we do this dog show every year, so it's it's uh, actually the nationaldogshow.com on um, online, mm-hmm. and you can find out about our show, and you can find out about the Kennel Club of Philadelphia and the other things that happen with NBC. But we're on uh, from noon until two on Thanksgiving Day on NBC. Uh, we say it's dogs until two. Don't let the remote fall into the hands of those football people. Um, <laughs> and then and then it repeats. We repeat on Saturday night at, at eight o'clock. Uh, Nice. So if you got money on the game Thursday, you can still watch the thing on Saturday. It's good. (laughs) David Fry, thank you so much. Please come back. We want to talk more dogs with you. (laughs) Let's do it again, Stephen. Thank you so much. You've been great. Thanks for having me on. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball cards and bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. Let's face it, our own dogs are all champions in our hearts. How'd you like to double or even triple their lives? talking about some of the greatest dogs in the world in the national dog show but we also want to talk about your dog at home and what better person to talk to than you remember the old batman show robin the boy wonder was played by burt ward well you wonder what happened to him i mean he's on tv and movies all the time once in a while you'll see him but what he's really doing is saving dogs lives and it's just fascinating what he got into Bert, thanks for being on the show. How did you get into all this? Where did you decide that, uh, I mean, were you always a dog lover, or is it something you developed a little later in life? Well, first, hello, citizen. My my wife and I, well, I've always been a dog lover. My wife and I have been dog lovers our whole lives. About 27 years ago, uh, I uh, my wife and I uh, rescued a Great Dane, and we found out where we live here in Southern California that the ones that we didn't rescue were all being put to death in shelters because the person who was running a rescue in Southern California for Great Danes herself had died. And dogs are rescued by breed. There's, for example, a Sheltie rescue, a German Shepherd rescue, a Great Dane rescue, a Mastiff rescues, and there's 100 and, I believe, 64 breeds, and most of them all have rescues. So we, uh, we started rescuing Great Danes uh, and, uh, because we couldn't stand the thought of them be dying in shelters when, you know, these big, gentle giants are so loving and affectionate. So we started the first week in August of 1994, and by the end of August, three weeks later, we had 102 Great Danes in our house oh, wow. and 62 puppies under seven weeks of age. 
back with actor, animal rights rescuer, activist, and businessman Burt Ward in just a moment. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. When we first saw the best exotic marigold hotel, we were surrounded by a sea of blue hair. Not punk dye job blue, but the natural old age gray kind. And boy, did they love this story. Seven elderly Brits succumb to promotions of affordable luxury retirement living in India. Predictably, upon arrival, their accommodations offer less than the luxury depicted, setting the stage for a rich tableau of reaction, story, and experience. This film features prime British acting royalty. Dame Judi Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, Bill Nye, and Tom Wilkinson, to name a few. Not everyone may recognize these names, but suffice it to say that their mastery in the art of character would make utterly fascinating their reading of a dictionary. And they have been given a wonderfully sensitive and comedic story to complement their considerable talents. Sure, the storyline of aging, hope, disappointment, staying positive, and facing death turns out older viewers. So, not about the young? Of course it is. Time marches forward and all can thoroughly enjoy contemplation of what is current for some and future for the rest. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and help you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Again, 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and -and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorns Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. Call 800-923-8625. That's 800-923-8625. 800-923-8625.
now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Burt Ward, the original Robin from the TV series Batman, who in 1994, with his wife Tracy, founded Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions, which rescues giant breed dogs such as Great Danes and some smaller breed dogs. You feed your dog in the morning, okay, and, 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 and after 10, 12 minutes, you remove the food, leave fresh water, you come home eight, nine hours later, you feed your dog the second time, which is what most people do. But here's the difference. An hour after that second feeding, you put out the food for 10 minutes. An hour later, 10 minutes, and an hour later, 10 minutes. And it doesn't have to be mathematically even between the hours of feeding. It just has to be an hour apart. Uh, also, we elevate our food and water bowls. We always have them at a height such the dog never has to lean down, only tilt their head down. And you say, well, why do you do that? Well, for several reasons. One, if you put the bowl of food on, and water on the floor, when your dog inhales air, that air can go into their stomach. Or when your dog eats the food, the food can go into their lungs and, and, you know, and, and cause aspiration, both of which can kill your dog. But in addition, the reason why we do this is think of it this way. When a dog has to lean down to get food and come up and then lean down to get more, then come up and lean down to get water, up and down and up and down, you are prematurely wearing your dog's bodies out. People call me all the time. They say, Bert, I don't understand it. My dog is 10 years old. He has a problem getting up. He has a problem walking. And I'm looking at videos on your website where these dogs are running around like puppies in their 20s. How can that be? Again, the answer is you don't prematurely wear their bodies out. And then the last thing is our food. Just by the way we fed and cared dogs, we added a minimum of five years to their lives. Every one of your listeners can add five years. Just follow those two things and the additional things on our website. If I've got a smaller dog, I assume your dog food, plus the way you're talking about feeding them and so forth, uh, applies to small dogs as well. Every dog. Our food meets the qualifications of AVCO, which is the equivalent of the FDA, only for animals, American Association of Feed Control Officers, for all ages and all breeds, from the tiniest. We have dogs here that weigh, as an adult, two pounds. We have giants here that weigh right up to 300 pounds. And and by the way, most people have never seen a 200-pound dog, much less a 300-pound dog. And they're not fat. One of my dogs, Sammy, stands on his hind legs, seven feet, five inches tall, four inches taller than Shaquille O'Neal, and weighs 285 pounds. People have never seen anything like that. When we did our feeding and care program, you know, and we had, now we're having great Danes that were living seven to nine years, living 14 or 15 years. When we were doing that, you know, uh, my wife and I said, do you think there's anything else we can do? We thought about maybe if we changed their food and made the best food in the world because we could afford it, and we weren't thinking of selling it. You've got to understand, this is all about keeping our own dogs alive longer and right. healthier. So we went out to make food, and we found out something so upsetting that I want your listeners to hear this because this is going to change everything. We thought just by making the best food we could make, we pull out another year, year and a half. But here's what we found out. All the pet food companies that we're aware of know something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content they put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. You confuse the dog's brain to make it believe it's always hungry and eats and eats and eats. And guess what? Those companies sell more dog food. 
I tell everybody, you want to know the difference between our food and everybody else's food? And here's the difference. Go pick up a few kibbles of your dog's food. It doesn't matter who made it. Pick them up. Rub those kibbles in your fingers. And then after a few seconds, put the kibbles down and rub your fingers together. And you're going to feel a slightly greasy feeling. It's every food I've ever seen except ours. And you say, well, what could that be? It's animal fat. And why was it put there? It wasn't put there to benefit the dog. It was put there and sprayed on after the food was made to make the dog hungrier, to eat more food. Now, I, and people say, well, but why could that be so bad? You're making it sound like it's killing dogs. And I'm saying, yes, I am making it sound like that. Think of it this way. Would you take a can of bacon fat or, or, or turkey or a chicken grease and pour it down your sink? Would you do that? Well, of course not, because you'd say, well, water evaporates, but animal fat coagulates. Right. And when it hardens, it's like cement. And if you did that, you would ruin your pipes and your sink. So when you realize that animal fat will clog and ruin metal pipes, why would anybody in the world ever feed their dog a food that every single kibble, every single bite at every single meal was encapsulated in animal fat? It's clogging their arteries and intestines and shortening their lives by 50%. So let me ask you two questions then. Number one, what's in it? And number two, and most importantly, do the dogs like it? I mean, obviously, it extends their life, and uh, it seems like you're, the dogs I've seen that you guys have out at the house, they're real happy. But uh, basically, is that a food-friendly for the dog? Well, yes, because it's pure food. Let me tell you something about dogs. Dogs love the smell and taste of meat. However, dogs do not like the smell and taste of fat. Mm-hmm. And you look at greasy fat. Who would want to eat that? Okay, but the, the thing is, is that if they eat it with that fat on it, it then mixes up their brain to think they're always hungry. So you hear about people saying, well, my dog's a picky eater, but he loves your food, Bert. Well, why is that? We haven't done anything magical, except we haven't filled it with fat. And it's not just fat. There's extra protein that that the companies put in food. And and, And you say, well, why would they do that except the protein? And the answer is, because the average person going to a store, looking up on a shelf, and they see three bags of dog food. The one on the left has 24% protein. The one on the right has 28% protein. And the one in the middle has 32% protein. And the average person is going to say, oh, I'm going to buy the one in the middle. I want more protein for my dog. More protein is bad, not good. Okay? More, too much protein, over 22%, will prematurely burn your dog's kidneys out. And if it doesn't do that, it causes pain in dogs. Uh, All of these things we explain in detail, but our food, Gentle Giants, which is available uh, at Walmart, at Target stores, in grocery stores, and on the Internet, from Chewy to Petco to PetSmart.com to all of these online stores, and it's available. And my wife and I don't take $1 in salary. We take zero salary. Why? Because... We want to bring the finest food in the world to people at the least expensive price. It's our charity. Thanks, Bert. By the way, Bert Ward will be back again next week to talk more about lengthening your dog's life. Well, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, and not a lot of time to make changes to the menu, but America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin, has a few suggestions to make the holiday special. Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, people want to do something special this year. What do you recommend for somebody who wants to kick it up a notch? Well, you know, Thanksgiving, everybody thinks right away turkey and, and all the trimmings and, and 
What I see happening at Thanksgiving is this. As I've said to you before, people don't like being hungry. So when they come in, they're nibbling and gnashing on all that stuff that people put out, whether it's walnuts or, or the accoutrements that everybody puts out from the marshmallow yams and, and the cheeses and the salamis. And by the time they get to the turkey, they're done eating. So I tell people, how about you come into my house? I'm going to do a heritage turkey, one of the best you could possibly get. And as soon as you walk in my freaking door, I'm putting a, a turkey drumstick in your face going, taste this. It's so good. Just came out of the oven. You know, why not? Because that's what I really want them to taste rather than eat everything on the way up there. On the other hand, um, because everybody's doing turkey, why not do it differently? And I love to get game birds. There's all kinds you can, but I particularly use pheasant. Uh, for the last four years, we always cook a couple of pheasants um, because when you have them side by side next to the turkey, I mean, the pheasant says to the turkey, just stand over there <laughs> because you're not flavorful enough to compete with me. You're good. You make great sandwiches tomorrow with, you know, with, with the stuffing and the gravy, but uh, you know, I'm the king and I'm the pheasant. And you could go to grouse, you could go to partridge. There's just so many birds. I, I use a a website called dartanian.com out of New Jersey, and they sell they sell birds that they tell you attention. There's there's buckshot in these birds, you know. But um, it's kind of fun to have people, you know, eating something. I'm the kind of guy who, if you're, uh, you know, eating a, a steak at my house, and when you're halfway through it. I go, how do you like that steak? Oh, this is great. And I'll go, what kind of animal do you think that is? <laughs> and they look back at me like, what? I go, what's wild boar, you know, or it's elk or, you know, but everybody else is doing the same damn thing. You want to be different. Thanks, Eddie. By the way, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com is off for the holiday, but will return next week. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas. But by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. The lobby, in fact, is a restored shell from the old La Concha Motel. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. Really unique Las Vegas experience. So you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. And please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go!